Welcome to Locking Your Success. We are the company that creates strategies to build wealth. This podcast is the audio from the Locking Your Success Options Trading for Income Weekly Update webinar. This webinar reviews real-time hypothetical trades each week while analyzing market conditions with adjustments. Questions are always welcomed, asked, and answered. If you would like to view the charts and graphs referenced in this podcast, please visit our blog at LockingYourSuccess.com for a video replay of the live webinar. Before we get started, we need to go over our disclosures. Locking Your Success LLC is not a broker dealer or financial advisor. This presentation is for educational purposes only. This information is not an offer to buy, sell, or hold securities. You shall be fully responsible for any investment decision you make, and such decisions will be based solely on your evaluation of your financial circumstances, investment objectives, risk tolerance, and liquidity needs. Please visit CBOE.com to find and review the options risk disclaimer prior to placing any trades. Also, please note that these are real-time but hypothetical computer simulated trades and results. The trades are believed to be as accurately presented as possible, however, they are not guaranteed as to accuracy and therefore live results may vary. No representation is being made that any portfolio will or is likely to achieve profits or losses similar to those shown. Whew! Now that that's over, let's get to it. Here is your host, John Locke. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Options Trading for Income Weekly Update for February 29th, 2016. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening via podcast, come on over to our website, get your free report, The 7 Secrets of Becoming a Successful Trader, and make sure you stay informed by joining our mailing list. And again, our our, our website, in case you're listening, is LockingYourSuccess.com. That's L-O-C-K-E, InYourSuccess.com. And also uh, join our community of over 300 talented traders while you're there. And of course... Also, check out our trading programs. We have, we have super simple spread trades. We have the M3, the Bearish Butterfly, the Rock, the M21. We also have the APM Squared Seminar uh, program. If you would like any additional information on them, again, it's on our website where you can contact us directly. With this update, we will be covering four of the trades within our various trading systems. We have the primary ones, which are the uh, bearish butterfly. We have the M3 and the rock. We'll be covering each one of those as uh, in the guidelines in the programs. And we'll also be coming, be covering what's called the V-Condor, which is one of the four trades in the SSS trading system. And this is something, again, that we've been covering for a long period of time. We have years of past uh, webinars like this, Monday morning webinars, on our blog at LockingYourSuccess.com slash blog. Uh, as far as announcements, I don't have a whole lot of announcements. As you may know, I was on vacation last week, and um, so I, I don't have, uh, didn't have much time to put new stuff together. We will be having the successful trader of the month announced on uh, next week's webinar, and we're also going to be uh, announcing what our uh, enriching session for the month for the Premium Plus traders is going to be. We have uh, our, pre- our Premium Plus group coaching session is coming up on Wednesday night at 9 p.m., so make sure you get that if you're on there. So those basically what's going on. And also, of course, we have the Trading Triangle live in Hawaii. I We did talk to them last week about extending the amount of time. I have people who have actually booked the presentation but have not booked their rooms yet. So uh, 
there's we, we've extended the amount of time they're going to allow for the for the discounted rooms but you want to get those booked as soon as possible and of course if you're thinking of coming to trading triangle live please uh do so we do still have some spots available there as well and um uh we'd like to encourage you to do that so yeah so my vacation was very good it's um i don't know if anybody knows us very well but when we take vacations they they are not what we call relaxing vacations they are go 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 drove down to florida from new hampshire uh, leaving friday night at seven o'clock and drove 24 hours to get there and um you know, you go to bed, sleep in the hotel, and then from park open to park close down at Disney with the kids, uh, and then drove all the way back. So I've only been back for about uh, about 24 hours. So um, we definitely get uh, get the most out of our uh, out of our vacations, and, and and like I said, we we typically tend to do a lot of stuff. We don't just sit around. But anyway, lots of fun. Thanks for asking. So let's get going here. I have. We should probably look at the markets first, so as we usually do. So let me drag up Thinkorswim, and this is what we have on the Russell 2000. If you recall, uh, I was thinking that around 10:40 was probably the most likely point where the Russell was going to reverse. So um, you know, we were we were kind of at a potential reversal point last week, but didn't think it was. Uh, didn't really think it was going to reverse there. Uh, we've, we've been calling, I think, 10.40 for the last three weeks, or as soon as the market bottomed out at 9.50, we said the most likely we're going to go to 10.40 uh, for several reasons. One would be uh, we've been bouncing about 100 points off of bottoms in the Russell recently, which is, um, and we kind of expect to do that again. Also, it puts our resistance area, comes in right to the bottom of our primary resistance area, which is right around you know, 1035 to 1040. So now that we're here, if I'm looking at the Russell by itself, I'd say this is a likely turning point and we're likely to meander back down to at least 980 over the next week. Can we go higher? Yes, we certainly can. The, you know, if we, if you're an M21 trader and we look at technical analysis, we always say, you know, what's the, an extremely large run up in the Russells, like 160 points, that puts us up at around 1010 for a reversal point. But that would be an extreme, extreme up move. I would not expect that from this. If we go um, to more of our next primary short term, shorter term, and by that I mean in a yearly chart resistance area, we're looking at 1075. Again, I, I, I just don't think the market has the energy to go to that point um, at this point. I, and I do think this is a more likely point to turn. We may run a little bit higher into this area, uh, but I think any time now over the next couple days, if not today, we'll be looking at the market at least trying to come down probably 50 points. Right, That's a normal um, sh shorter term pullback. Even if we're going to go higher, I'd expect a 50-point pullback. So for right now, uh, for the short term, I am uh, bearish on the market, although acknowledging we may go a touch higher. If we look at the other indices, again, that's looking at the Russell on its own. Um, I'll tell you what concerns me about this is... I would have expected the SPX to roll here, uh, right about at this level. 
So the move till Thursday made complete sense. The move Friday penetrating over that uh, it was getting me a little bit concerned that the markets may want to take off to the upside. Now we did back back down, close the week right about at that level. So this is completely neutral. Um, I wouldn't call this a breakout, but I wouldn't call this a, a failure either. So on the SPX, I'm completely neutral. It would be normal for the SPX to go to uh, 1990 if we were to break out. That's our next really primary resistance area all the way to 2020, right? So if we get a breakout in the SPX, that's going to lead me to believe that Russell's probably going higher. And I'm talking about a breakout that holds, not something that's intraday. Um, but that would change my opinion. So right now, like I said, still bearish on the Russell. And we have the Dow has uh, came up right about where I thought it was going to come up to. This looks like it's reversing off this point. As long as we don't make any new highs specifically, we should probably take this. Whoops. Over this area here. Let me um, just extend this out a little bit. I'm just going to move this a touch higher. Right, so this is the last place we had a hard reversal in the market. This could pop up to, uh, you know, high 16s, which is going to give the Russell a bit of a pop as well, a little bit over its area. But should we do that, we should roll over at that point in the Dow to pull everything down. And then, of course, we have the, uh, the good old NDX, which, though the Dow, by the way, has been the most technically accurate um, indice as far as uh, where the markets reverse. So... This is actually a fairly good indication. If we can hold underneath this candle for for probably the next day or two, we're probably a good indication we're going to drop down. And NDX is uh, actually a little bit weak, right? So a little bit weak in comparison to everything else. So we haven't actually reached a resistance point here yet. So those, uh, you know, those are the the way I, I see the indices. And uh, again, I'm, I'm with a preponderance of the evidence, I'm still short-term bearish. I think the market is going to drop this week. Um, and I actually hope that's so, too, because we have some trades that are getting some pressure to the upside. So that is, uh, that's my thought on the markets. If we come to option view here, we can start taking a look at our positions. Actually, before I do that, I'd actually take, take a look at the website results for February, because uh, I just didn't post this. So February bearish butterfly was a fairly nice trade. We, got, uh, we, we popped out at a um, reduced profit target due to 21 days expiration. It was a 12.4% win. That was good. The M3 was a challenging trade with a small gain in February. Again, depending on how you traded exactly when you entered, could have been a little bit better, could have been a little bit worse. But uh, February in general should have been near break-even, maybe a little positive. The rock trade, same pretty, same scenario pretty much. Uh, entered 30 days to expiration, challenging uh, with the market movement. So um, we had a gain of about 1.8%. And again, the V condor, we talk about this, uh, that the market conditions are not ideal for this trade. Kind of like when you look back at 2013, we had an extended period of time where the market cycles just happened to hit at a point where you know, we were entering the trade at the very bottom of a, a bullish run and very low volatility. Those are bad conditions for a bearish butterfly. These tend to be good conditions for a bearish butterfly. 
Um, but for the, you know, back in 2013, those were really good conditions for the fee trade. Matter of fact, the fee condor trade, I think, was the best trade we had in 2013. Um, actually, the rock trade was, but the V trade was um, uh, was was uh, did very good in that environment. This environment, not so good. Um, March is doing fairly well, but you're going to have a um, you know hits and misses with the with a V trade in this type of environment, which is normal. You know, you know, one of the things to remember as a trader, the market runs through cycles. You'll have periods of time where a certain trading methodology or technique does very very well, and then you'll have periods of time when it doesn't do very well. And what we're experiencing now is um, generally a good bearish butterfly environment. Um, M3 environment's kind of neutral, right? So we're going to, uh, by that I mean the market's moving around a little bit too much for our near-term M3 to be certainly anywhere near a profit target number. Um, Generally, generally, you're going to do okay in this type of environment. You're just not going to, I mean, the winds aren't going to be big. It's going to be more uh, break-even a little bit. Um, rock trade, we're actually hitting a, a weird kind of environment, which we've never exactly experienced before. Normally, we get these kind of market moves. Our volatility is higher. Our volatility is a little bit low, which, again, is... Um, contributing to like an M3 trade struggling a little bit more than normal and the rock trade maybe struggling a little bit more than normal. And, and again, it's because of the volatility levels are not high and, and the price movement is we're getting these really large price runs. So that can be challenging for that type of trade. And again, for the fee trade, it's just too far back and forth movement for that type of trade. Um, these conditions don't typically last very long. As time goes on and we pull into to more normal conditions, the trade's coming back, and um, I'm sure we'll do very well for the year. So as of right now for the year, the bearish butterfly is up about 26.7%, which is very, very good. Uh, the M3, because of the loss in January, again, some people won January with the M3 trade. Uh, if you happen to be in for the beginning of the year and you didn't pop out of that trade, then it was probably a losing trade for you, and it was it wasn't... I don't think it was maximum loss for most people, but it was definitely a loss. Um, so that's down a little bit for the year. Again, we have these months that just happen to be the first of the year, right? So um, so that's fine. If you run a 12-month average from last year, we're still uh, very, very good. Rock trade, again, the same thing. We were in a three trade in January, and that got whacked to the downside. So that was um, that. was that We had close to a break-even last year. Rock trade is something that typically pulls 100% a year, so uh, I would expect that this year as well. And um, that should be, like I said, as, as, as the markets uh, straighten out, then, then that'll be back. And again, the V-trade, unless we have a market crash, it will, will very likely turn very positive for the year as well. A question here is since butterflies are... Our four-leg trades, isn't it a challenge to get reasonable fills in the middle of bid-ask? Fills when, when, when adjusting, closing the positions, especially in volatile markets, wondering if uh, it takes away a lot of profits. I appreciate my response. So one of the things you're going to find out when you're trading is that execution is an art in itself. For me, I generally like volatile conditions. Usually when the market's volatile, you can get filled very, very at very, very favorable prices. One of the things to remember is there's a big difference between mid-prices and, um, and value, let's say. So 
I don't compare um, how my fill price goes compared to mid price so much as I do compare to how would it do compared to option view pricing. Because we're back testing with option view, we're uh, making our trading systems with option view no matter what type of system you do, uh, you're doing all that with option view. So really my bigger test as to how I'm filling and how my trades are doing is how would I have filled compared to what option view does if I just make the trades, right? And I do that regularly on on my trades. In other words, I'll, I'll come in here and I'll, I'll, I'll make all my adjustments and then I'll just put the adjustments in option view and I'll hit them at mid prices and I'll see how I did compared to what option view is telling me I did because that's the real test. Not what you get compared to mid, but what I, you know, what do I get compared to option view? Can I, can I execute better than what option view is telling me? And the answer is, uh, with my trades, I'd say 90% of the time I can do better than what option view tells me. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, I'm hitting better than a mid price at any particular time, right? One thing you got to look at at mid prices is is that the mid-prices are swinging all over the place, especially now. And it's, it's more now so than it used to be, say, three or four years ago. But your mid-prices are having very, very large swings. And just opening your platform on Thinkorswim, looking at it or whatever your broker is, looking at the mid-price and thinking you're going to get filled at that price um, or thinking that that's an accurate price is not necessarily the case. Right? So that first number I see, or what, what most people do, is they'll watch the number and they'll pick the apps, and say if they're buying something, they'll pick, pick the apps, the number that's absolutely most in their favor and then try and get less than that. And then if they have to pay more than that, they say I paid more than mid-price, which isn't, it's not accurate. It's not, a, it's not an accurate reflection of what's actually happening. Realistically, your real mid-price is going to be somewhere in the range that that price is ranging, or maybe even be at the very top of the range. So that being the case, you don't know necessarily, just because you didn't get filled at mid-price doesn't mean that you did better or worse than option view. The only way to do it is to actually do that test and find out. And um, another thing we do is, you know, so we have the ranges uh, of mid-prices, then we also have the um, uh, the synthetic pricing of, of our options, right? So a put butterfly versus an iron butterfly versus a call butterfly, they have different pricing sometimes. And even though they have different prices, they will all fill at the same uh, relative price, right? So, um, so that being the case, that's another thing to look for. So we have a whole series of, of things that we look for when we start executing. And another thing that we look for when we start executing is market pressure, um, executing when the market's going in your direction um, to, for favorable pricing on the spreads, which a lot of people don't do. They'll see a mid price of $10, they'll put an order in for $10, and then the mid price will drop to $9.80, and, or the market will start going in their favor to get the order filled, and they'll say, oh, the market's turning, and they'll take the order out. So now the order's not going to fill, right? Then when the market starts going the other way against their pricing, then they'll put the order in again, they'll wonder why they don't get filled at mid price. It's a, it's a matter of you know, when you're doing it, uh, you know, how you're pricing stuff, and things like that. And another thing, too, you need to look at is stale orders. Sometimes, you know, someone will put an order in for $10 for a butterfly, for example. They want to buy it. Mid-price will go up to 10 you know, go up to 11 It'll come all the way down to maybe 8 It still won't fill. But what they don't realize is a lot of times if you take that order out 
and you put it in even at a lower price of nine dollars they'll fill it because the order's stale it's on it's 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 they're not paying attention to it or they just decided they're not going to fill that or they're playing games with you right by taking the order out putting it back in there's many many times i'm sitting there not getting filled on something i take it back out put it in at a price that's at, that's actually better for me and then it fills Right, so uh, so all those things in combination, and then you want to take that and then compare it to what would happen if you just filled it in option view, because realistically, that's that's your your benchmark test on whether your 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 back testing is accurate or not. So anyway, that's just kind of a, a, a of a of a little talk on on pricing. Uh, which of my classes deals with execution? We have a large section on trade execution in the M twenty one course. That, um, that that should be helpful for you as far as that goes. Uh, let's see, pricing going my way for a bearish butterfly would mean price moving up, correct? Well, if I'm trying to buy a butterfly below the market, yeah, when the market goes up, pricing is going my way. So if we're entering M3, for an example, right, and you're fighting for price, you're buying a butterfly below the market, the butterfly below the market is typically going to fill when the market is going up. That is, uh, that's when you're going to get your best pricing. It's also when you're going to get your worst pricing on your call. You know, I fill calls sometimes a dollar on my side of mid, sometimes more than a dollar on my side of mid pricing. Um, but I don't do it when the market's going up because they're not going to give it to you when the market's going up. They're going to give that to you when the market's coming down uh, or they're anticipating the market's going to be coming down. Because remember, you're negotiating with someone on the other side. You're not just you're not buying a pair of sneakers off of the off of a shelf in in, uh, in Walmart. You are you're in a, you're in a negotiation which Americans aren't used to, uh, and you're negotiating with someone on the other side, whether it be a computer or whatever. It's a program. It's a computer that's programmed by humans. You're negotiating with them. You're going to buy stuff at favorable prices when they don't want it. You're going to pay too much for it when they when they don't want your order, right? So. You need to just keep that in mind. Do I usually leg into uh, an M1 butterfly first? Oh, okay, an M3. Do I, uh, yeah, okay. So in an M3, yeah, typically what I do with an M3 trade is I look at it this way, is I usually buy the butterflies first and then I buy the call after that. That does leave you, if you're fighting for price on the butterfly, it does leave you chasing the call, and you have to know that. And one of the things that I look at when I, when I do a, uh, when I enter an M3 trade, is a lot of times I'll, I'll do it more gradual. In other words, I'll do, if I have a big position, I'll do some butterflies, I'll do a call. I'll do some butterflies, I'll do a call. I'll kind of leg into it. If I only have 10 butterflies in one call, I can do five butterflies, add the call, do the other five butterflies. I could do that, as well as some other things. So, yeah, so what I'll do is, is I'll buy the butterflies. I'll try usually to fight for price on butterflies. And then when I buy the call, I'm usually putting it in at, a, at, at a, in other words, I'm going to usually pay over mid prices for the call because I, I know that when the butterfly fills, I'm usually going to be, the market's usually going to be going against me. And I'm going to have to overpay for the call because the market's going to go up, be going up. So, so I'll fight for price on the butterfly, and I'll let the call. I'll, I'll let myself pay extra for that, mainly because the call is the smaller position as far as the way I look at it. So, that's the way I will typically I will typically enter those.
if I'm entering an M3U and I don't have a call, I want to enter that when the market's coming down because the pricing on that tends to get depressed when the market comes down. So it's a, it's a matter about, of about thinking, um, thinking, thinking it out before you, before you fill it. You know, what's going to be happening when the butterfly fills? What's going to be happening when the call fills? Um, you know, if you're, if you want to leg in, you want to be a little bit brave, you can, you can, um, you know, buy the butterfly, you can wait it out, see if the market comes down to buy the call and get that really cheap. Again, that's, a, you know, it's a little risky because the market may keep going, but it's something you certainly can do. Okay, so hopefully that helps. Uh, how to handle the issue of getting filled on six butterflies instead of ten. And the price starts moving. Would I buy a, condo, would I buy a condo, corresponding delta call hedge immediately? Oh, I see. So, so you're saying you maybe you. So, I think what you're what the what the, what the question really is, is um, you know, say you're you have ten butterflies and you get filled on six. Now, this this kind of happens uh, with some of the bigger positions I have. I might buy, I might have an order for three hundred butterflies, right? And yeah, you know, I'll get filled on ten here, fifteen there, thirty there. Um, as the market moves around, they'll just start filling the things. So, you know, how do we deal with that? Well, one of the things that we'll do sometimes is, uh, yeah, you can start buying um, positions with corresponding delta. So, if I fill, if I fill thirty butterflies, and as it's filling, I'll, I'll come in. I'll, I'll put I'll put three calls on. And then if I fill another 10, I'll put another call on, stuff like that. Uh, if you only have six in one call, it's too high a delta. I, if I did, you know, if I did, if I have a position of 10, I mean, I'm not going to get that crazy about it. If I have a position of 10 and six butterflies get filled and the other ones don't, I'll just throw the call on anyway. The reason the other ones didn't get filled is probably because the market's backing off, so it's a good time to fill the call. I'll fill the call. I'll be a little bit positive delta. Not terribly so. If it's one butterfly, I don't care. If it's two butterflies, I, you know, the market keeps going up, I really don't care so much. I mean, I'm going to get a better price on the others. If it's like six butterflies, well, that's more than half, so I'd probably buy the call. And if the market comes down again, I might pay a little bit more for the butterflies, but it, but uh, but you'll get in. Yeah, right. So, you, so that's uh, basically all we need to do with that. Um, the important part is, is yeah, it, it, it's good that you're, Chan, that you're thinking about these things, right? These are things you should think about before you try to enter. What's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen if that happens? Uh, and the M21 program, oh, hold on a second. Actually, I got some. I'm fully in three-thirds on an April bearish butterfly trade and curious if I'm following the core rules like you do. Please show your bearish butterfly so I can see how close I am. Oh, yeah, we're going to do the bearish butterfly for the April expiration. I don't know what month, I don't know when you started the bearish butterfly, but we can kind of look at that. Um, when we show the April bearish butterfly, if you want to re-ask that, Dennis, if it's something you're not expecting. I have an M21. I've watched the M3. You mentioned execution discussed in M21. Should I watch the M21 before proceeding? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, if you have the M21 package, here's the one of the challenges I have is, is I, I often don't like people getting into an M21 package who don't have the basic, you know, M3 bearish butterfly and stuff like that down, because um, sometimes you can screw yourself up. So rather than, you know, rather than having a, um, 
a good experience with it, you have a more poor experience because you're you're trying to, to do something too advanced. It's like you know you're learning to to try and you know make jumps on a bicycle. You're, you're trying to help your kids make jumps on a bicycle. You start them by jumping off the curbstone. You don't start them by jumping off a ten foot cliff. And it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, eventually he'll be able to handle the ten foot cliff, but you know you don't start that way away. He's going to hurt himself, right? So people just to try to jump right into M twenty one procedures without um, knowing the rest of it. So it concerns me. That people try to do that but in the other respect knowing what's ahead of you is very very useful so I would say yeah go in if you watch the m21 program and you know take out what's going to be useful like the execution stuff and uh, things like that and um, and then you can start utilizing them right away so so yeah so you can watch the m21 for sure last Wednesday 23 days expiration I was 20% profit on my match bearish butterfly but if I trade with a guidelines, I'm supposed to wait to see if I can get 30. Is that a good decision, or should the profit have been taken? Again, we talked about this last week, and and this, these are things that you should decide ahead of time, right? Decide, decide ahead of time if you're going to be pulling profits and when and how soon. I mean, me personally, within my plan, if I'm 23 days to expiration um, and I'm at 20% profit, and I know I'm going to be exiting in two days, uh, at a 10% profit, then I would tend to pull the trade off and um, and just and just let it go. But again, that's in my plan. That's the way I back trade it. So um, you need to know what that's doing to your results. So 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 yes, make your own decision with that ahead of time. Um, and again, sometimes it takes a little bit of experience to figure it out. But you know, the way I look at it is, you know, in in two days, I'm at 20% profit. In two days, I'm exiting at 10. If I'm certainly if I'm near the peak of my T plus zero line, then I'm thinking about exiting out. Exiting out. Uh, okay, so let's quickly get through these positions here because we are running short on time. So March bearish butterfly. If you remember this, this was actually at 990. We already had a 1010 in, but I got kicked backwards because the market went down too far. That's the way it stood until Friday. And this is a this is a uh, maybe a decent example here. On Wednesday here, you know I am technically at my ten percent number that I would leave on Friday. In my rules, the way that I trade this, I wouldn't leave at this point. Uh, if I was up twenty percent and I'm here, then yeah, I might consider that right. Um, if you did, if you never dropped out of your upper butterfly, you probably were up twenty percent, and uh, you know I would definitely consider leaving there. Here, I probably wouldn't consider leaving. I'd probably just leave it alone and see how the trade works out. Um, of course, the trade went up, the market went up quite a bit, and I ended up exiting, or not exiting, but entering the second third here on um, on Friday at ten ten. Currently, the position looks like this. All this is going to take is even an intraday down move of a relatively small amount. This should be profitable well over 10%. I'm just looking for an opportunity to exit this thing at this point and get get into the following month or deal with the following month. So this is where 
Uh, we currently stand with the March bearish butterfly, and like I said, I'm just looking for an opportunity to exit any kind of a, a decent down move, even especially a, a really good down move intraday, and this will be pulled off. If not, we are in expiration guidelines, so we're watching our delta numbers, and we're also watching our add-on price points. I'm scheduled to add another third here at, uh, at 1050, or I'll be adding the next third in if I start running into delta problems. So that's where we stand there. Oh, and Rick's coaching with Dave. He's been very helpful. That's great. Thanks, Rick. Um, all right, so that's that trade. Then we have a March M3. Again, not a ton of adjustments here. The market is moving up, but not that badly. Let me just flash the T-log for the bearish butterfly here in March. Okay, then we have our M3 trade. I didn't mean to hit that button. Let's hit this one. This trade looked like this on Monday. I think that profit and loss is off. Again, we're having a profit and loss issue with Option View. Just so that you know, if you want to get it back, you can hit your reports, hit Combined, close your reports, and it should bring it back in line. Um, so there, see, we see the change there. Uh, that usually brings the profit and loss back in line. So uh, we're still dealing with that. So watch that. So here is where we sit as of Monday. Uh, we were here, right? Uh, at 950 butterflies, we run into more than 10 points over our long strikes. We have Vega issues. We come in, I roll this up to 990. I drop my number of butterflies from 15 to 10. Went into straight butterflies at 990, and I'm sitting here at about minus 56 delta, which is fine considering where we are in the tent. Gamma trend has sagged a little bit. Eh, you know, I'm not that concerned with it that far away, but it is a little saggy. Uh, from there, I believe there were nothing, nothing uh, no, Thursday. Right, we leave this alone until Thursday. Ended up adding five, if I take this off, maximum delta limit outside the tent. I did five, 990, or at the edge of the tent. Right, looks like this. I did five, uh, 990, 1,000 verticals. Cut us back to like minus 62 or under minus 75, which is about where I like to keep my delta uh, maximum at that point. And then Friday, with the continued up move, I ended up doing two 990 1000s and three 990-1010s to bring us into range here. If I take that off, I'm minus 78 in my delta, and I look like this. After the adjustment, the position looks like that. So we're just kind of flattening out. And this is actually a very good-looking M3 trade. If the market does anything reasonable and maybe has a 30 or 40 or 50-point pullback at, uh, and kind of hangs around there for a while for a change, uh, this would make out for a very good trade. So we'll see where that goes. Here's the T-log for that. I'm just going to open that up. And, again, we were kicked around because we were having some pretty big market movements in the middle of January here. So this has been kicked around a little bit. But it looks really nice now. 
All right, so that is that. We have, uh, quickly, we have a rock trade for March, which didn't have anything to do till Friday. So I'm just going to go to Friday. Now remember with the rock trade, we entered a modified rock position. Now the problem with correcting your delta, the modified rock position uses calls that are out of the money. The problem with correcting your delta with out of the money calls is that they just collapse when the market moves up slowly, which is basically what the market did last week. I mean, it moved up quite a bit, but it wasn't explosive. They really, they're really helpful in an explosive up move. They're very detrimental in a grinding up move. That's kind of what we had last week, just this, you know, every day up, up five points except for Tuesday, right, or, or 10 points or whatever. That's not very good. But we ended up hitting an adjustment point here um, with this, and we got drawn down. Again, that's because of the out-of-the-money calls that drew us down. Volatility, when we did our entry test, was saying we are going to get a really big, fast moves. What we got instead is we got a gradual decline in the average true range of the market. So we got a conditions change where the market's really starting to settle out a little bit. So, um, so that's going to draw this down some. But we don't stay in this position for long. We switched this over to an M3. We went into a 10-10 M3 with 10-10, uh, 10-20 uh, verticals and into a, a single 940 call here, ended up in this position here, which is, which other than the price or the, um, the profit and loss being underwater a little bit, this is a, this is a fairly good looking position. So, and of course, if the market really, if the market doesn't really take off, this should do okay. Um, if the market really takes off, we're going to go into a regular rock position, and that should do okay. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, challenging for a modified rock entry this uh, this month. It's just uh, the conditions were not good for that. So, but anyway, that's where we stand. And there is our T-log on that trade. Then we have our um, March V Condor, which actually ended up getting no adjustments. Uh, and is not up $12,000. Uh, again, we're having, uh, when you see an obvious issue with your profit and loss, you come in here, hit combined, close that out. It should bring it. Mm, that didn't do it that time. Let me go back. Sometimes you can go back and forward. And if that doesn't fix it, I'll play with it later. But Ah, that's better. So that's the other way to fix it. Go back in time, come forward in time, and see if that um, does that. Okay, and someone else, uh, Francois says, I found opening and closing the T-log fixes the P&L also. So that's another third option we have. We'll open and close, the, open and close that. But this here looks like this. I think what's going to happen with this trade, though, is we're going to sink and fall back into here and lose some of that profit. Of course, if the market keeps grinding up, it's going to be very good for this trade. I mean, if we kind of just kind of grind up slowly to, you know, up into here, then that would be very good. But um, what's more likely to happen is we're likely to fall back in here. I'm going to end up widening this out. We're going to take some sort of a 5% profit probably. That's my most likely guess on, uh, on the trade this month. That is, uh, but that's the V Condor, and here's the T-Log. We've had no adjustments to this trade since we started. And yes, this is the most current version of Option View. Um, so we're still having issues with that. 
uh, let's see, I believe it is. Let's see, this is the uh, yeah, 786. And yes, we're still having profit and loss issues. And um, I know Seth has been with Len trying to deal with it. But uh, uh, they're, they're still working on that. Anyway, April trades. Quickly go over. Uh, April bearish butterfly here. This uh, on Monday, right, I ended up adding these 1,000 butterflies because we were over uh, 1020. This is what our position looked like after the adjustment. Really nice looking bearish butterfly. On Friday, when we kicked up even higher, uh, let's see, actually we did not hit an ad point on Friday, but what I, I did want to point something out. Um, I did want to point out, even in these volatility levels, I'm not quite in an ad point of 1040 yet. I am starting to have, I am borderline delta theta problem here, right? So keeping that in mind, uh, if the market does move up over 1040, and I do end up adding, this is going to be a roll and add. So I'm going to roll this to... Uh, 1020 and then add it at the 1040 level, assuming the market goes up over 1040. So this is going to be due for a roll and add due to a delta theta problem going forward. As of right now, this is the way this sits. Uh, delta theta, gen generally delta theta, if you're using delta theta guidelines, which I don't always recommend in this type of market, by the way, but we do have them in the course, so we're using them. Um, if you're using delta theta guidelines, then yeah, if you're more than one and a half to one, it triggers a, a roll on the position. So, so technically, I mean, if we did this out, this would be just about, it's kind of a gray area, it's kind of borderline. We know these move, numbers move around a little bit. Um, if you go through the day, sometimes it's over, sometimes it's under. Uh, you know, especially in a high volatility environment, I'm not overly anxious to make this uh, delta theta jump, but, um, but it's certainly going to be well within that by the time we get to 1040, and um, we're going to be doing it. So that's um, that's what we would do. Uh, so I'll be doing a roll and add, even though doing just an add will correct. Yes, even though doing just an add might might correct the delta theta issue, I do a roll and add because the delta theta issue was there prior to the um, prior to the adjustment point. Um, 1.5 to 1, well, let's see. I'm doing this in my head. So 1.5 on theta, 1.5 of 122 is is about, is about um, uh, adding another 60 to that, right? Another 61. So that would make the theta 183 would be, if, so if my theta is 183, it's, uh, if my delta is 183, it's, it's 1.5 to 1. So this is kind of a borderline uh, issue there with a delta theta ratio. Basically, if my theta delta goes a little higher or my theta goes a little lower, which is going to happen as the price moves up, it's going to trigger a roll. Um, do I ever space them more than 24 points apart? Yes, I do. I have a live trade on now. They're spaced 40 points apart, and I have a live trade where they're spaced 60. Um, a live trade I was forced into um, on the trade desk to do, because uh, we're doing bearish butterflies now with the regular position. So we're just putting a bearish butterfly on with the regular position. They decided that that's the way we, they want to trade the, the desk money. So I did that, and I did it at the very bottom of the market. So I have a series. Now, and again, I plan this ahead of time, but I put a bearish butterfly on with the expectation that the market was going to 1040, 
right? So I want to make sure that I extend the range to the bearish butterfly that it can handle a move to 1040 without drawing down excessively. So I put, I didn't go into March, I went into April early, which gives me a flatter delta, and I expanded my add points to 40 points, which gives me um, a little bit more range that way, right? And then as the market continues to go up, if we, if we take the ride to 1075, I'll tighten those back up again, and I'll be in, you know, like a 10, like a 10, um, 10, 1030, 1050 uh, triple butterfly behind the market at 1075. And hopefully the market doesn't exceed 1075 and pulls back. But but that's something I planned out ahead of time in an M21 style of a bearish butterfly. So I can trade a bearish butterfly and have the range extension so that we can deal with the, with the move I thought we were going to have. So I, I did a plan modification before I went in. But yeah, you can certainly do stuff like that. So here, thus far, is T-log for April bearish butterfly. Very straightforward there. Um, yeah, if I'm in for three-thirds, I don't remember what the question was. Somebody asked me about being in for three-thirds uh, earlier, which I don't. I think I just, um, I'm fully in three-thirds on April Bearish Butterfly. I'm curious. I'm following the core rules like you do. Please show. Okay. All right. So, so there, so there's that. If you're following, if you were, you know, it's possible, I suppose, that you may have entered depending on your exact time of day and everything, and maybe at 1070, in which case you would be entered three-thirds. So, um, so that's possible to be entered three-thirds, certainly. Um, you know, 1036 could have kicked you into that. So sometimes we have these little differences with that. Anyway, that's the April bearish butterfly. We have the April M3 trade, which um, Thursday... With the April M3 trade, we actually have 20 butterflies to one call because of the way the, um, the market skews were at the time. But here, I started running into a delta problem outside the tent, minus 72. So I pulled off five of these butterflies and cut them down to 15. Right, so now I have 15 butterflies in one call. And now I'm down to minus 30 delta. That was our adjustment for the April M3 trade, and it was the only adjustment and that currently looks like this here. So again, very fine looking trade. And a T log for that is here. All we did is we entered and we then we sold off some butterflies. So very, very simple. And of course, last but not least, we have an April V Condor, which I believe is doing fine. It had no adjustments to this trade. Right, so this is actually up $147. If we analyze it, it looks like this. So everything's going fine here. Again, um, you know, if we back off, not a big deal. It should be profitable. So that um, that is all of our positions at this point. We are running a little bit late, so I'm going to close it up, and I'd like to thank everybody for joining me, and if you're a member of the group coaching or premium plus membership, remember we have our meeting on Wednesday night, and I hope to see you there. So thank you very much, and we will talk to you soon.